Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yelton, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey everybody, big week for Texan fans. It is official, D'Amico Ryans is the sixth full-time head coach in the history of the football team. The team announcing it on Twitter yesterday and, uh, and the press conference all set for Four o'clock Thursday afternoon as we welcome you into a Utopia mailbag episode of the Utopia Football Podcast. My name is Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast on Sports Radio 610. And of course, joined as always by the legend, the Hall of Famer, my friend, our senior Texans columnist at SportsRadio610.com and GalleriesSports.com. Fresh back from Florida, all tanned and looking beautiful. Uh, John McClain uh, joining me here on the podcast. John? Um, so did the D'Amico Ryan's news break while you were in the air on the way back from Florida this week? It did, but considering I'd been writing, I wrote a column uh, that day saying they've hired it They hired him. I didn't say they're going to hire him. I said they didn't hire him because he was the most popular with the fans and media. They hired him because he's was the best candidate. And then why? And that's the truth. You know, if Nick Casario had not wanted to hire D'Amico Ryans, even if Callahan and McNair did, they weren't going to make him do it. That'd been a recipe for disaster. Fortunately, after his Zoom interview, Casario was blown away, just like there were a bunch of other people in the room that were there because the league has mandated uh, new rules for when you're interviewing people, mainly to get diversity on the interview side, as well as the uh, Canada's side. So they wanted him and 
Once he told the Broncos there's reports that he didn't, well, he didn't. His agent, Jimmy Sexton, did. Mm -hmm. And he never rescheduled his interviews with the Cardinals or the uh, Colts. It was clear he wanted to come here. He wouldn't let Sexton use the Broncos to try to squeeze out another couple million because he said this was his dream job and is the one he wanted. And that's the one he got. And I think the three greatest moments in Texans history, when they got the franchise, that'll never be surpassed. When they beat the Cowboys in their first game and then Gary Kubiak being hired. And now with D'Amico, considering the turmoil, this organization has been through the criticism locally and nationally, just incessant criticism. I think that bringing in D'Amico as the head coach, knowing how much everybody wanted him, it's right up there with the greatest moments in history. And it can have such a positive impact uh, on the field and off the field. You think Greg Grissom, the president, didn't turn mm. cartwheels? Oh, my God. You think about the tickets, the concessions, because people – are going to be pumped. And at some point, you know, all they want is to be better. You know, I love all these national people blasting the Texans for firing David Cully and Lovey Smith. If Lovey had a better offense, he'd still be the coach. Yep. And Pep Hamilton was a terrible coordinator. So I think that uh, this could turn out to be the best thing that's happened to them since they got the franchise if everything goes according to plan, John, the, the uh, it, it's funny. You look at um, you you look at the way the season went. Obviously, they didn't finish with the number one overall pick, but they were bad enough to finish in a position where they can get a quarterback if they want one. And we got plenty of people asking about the draft and how D'Amico affects that. We'll get to that in the mailbag segment. But in your mind, you know, look, the two in retrospect now, two of the byproducts of them finishing as poorly as they did this year are one, they're in position to get a quarterback, and two. They were in position where they could, with a straight face, fire Lovey Smith and do it in a hiring cycle where maybe the best candidate over the last three years, certainly the best one for the Texans, became available in D'Amico Ryan. So I would say, what what was, in retrospect, what was the better fallout from them being so bad this year, getting in position to get a quarterback or getting position to get D'Amico Ryans? The coach is always more important than the quarterback, and people think, well, Brady – uh, could have won Super Bowls with, you know, can of tomatoes. I don't think so. He helped make Belichick the greatest coach in history, but he helped make him the greatest quarterback in history. And and I think in this case, you, you, they need a quarterback. And I I think we'll ask D'Amico this tomorrow, does he want a quarterback with that second pick? And he should say, we want to get the best prospect. And uh, hopefully he won't want to go after Jimmy Garoppolo, people are saying trade for Trey Lance. Trey Lance had done squat. And Kyle Shanahan is not doing anything with him. He was hurt this year. Now Brock Purdy's out for six months. They're going to have a good quarterback battle. Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, unless he thinks D'Amico's going to be a great coach, why would he want to come to a losing team like this instead of trying to go to a contender uh, or a team that thinks it's quarterback missing from being a playoff team like the Jets? And um, so D'Amico's first-time head coach. He's only been a coordinator two years. I think he needs an experienced head, head coach on his staff to bounce things off of. I'd love to see it be Gary Kubiak. And I also know this. When he's young and he's going to develop, they need the quarterback. Uh, it's like he'd be a new daddy with his quarterback. The key, Sean, as you know, 
they got to get an offensive coordinator that yeah. has a good system and knows how to call plays and utilize personnel. Yep, no doubt. We got a lot of people asking about the staff. We'll get to that in a second, John. But I think how this all played out yesterday was fascinating because the news, the the news of the Sean Payton Denver re-engagement happened probably about 15 minutes before the D'Amico news came out. So you had news of a smoke of a possible trade. And then the trade was solidified fairly quickly for Denver to acquire the rights to negotiate with Sean Payton. And then that came together very quickly, the agreement between the two sides. Obviously, they had been working on stuff. Um, and then within a few minutes after that, that's when the Texans dropped the D'Amico Ryan's news. And then you've got the dueling pianos going on with Rappaport and Schefter, where Rappaport saying the Broncos tried to do a an 11th hour end around to get D'Amico Ryans back in the fold or to not back in the fold, but to try to try one more time to, to get him uh, to take their job. He didn't do that. Schefter saying that never took place. The Broncos were always honed in on, um, on Peyton and the Texans on Ryans. Um, what do you make of all that, John? What do you make of the Denver Peyton role in this tangled tapestry? That is the D'Amico Ryan saga. When his agent, Jimmy Sexton, told him that uh, Denver was no longer on his list, everybody knew he was coming here. Then they went and interviewed uh, Jim Harbaugh in person. So they can't say that the Peyton thing has been on the front burner all along because it has not been. They pivoted, and they're going to pay him a lot of money, second most to Bill Belichick, and they gave up picks to get him, and he should be a great coach. If he can't get it out of Russell Wilson, nobody will. He's a great coach. He had one, a great quarterback. And they went together tremendously, he and Drew Brees. So now he's got another short quarterback, guy with a Super Bowl ring, and hopefully he can bring it out of him. Once a deal has been consummated, everything is going to be said or leaked to the media. Mm -hmm. That report that we reached out to Miko again, that is not true. And the reason is they don't want to embarrass Peyton. They don't want them to think we wanted to Miko Ryan's before you. So everything with Adam Schefter and all the local media that it's just, they did not, did not try to uh, pull an end run and get him again. So that's natural. I understand yeah. that. As far as who's telling the truth, you know, we don't know, but I can tell you at some point I'll find out. Of course you will. I have a hard time. That Rappaport report was so specific and really just kind of eye-popping that I have I have a hard time believing he wasn't told that. Let me put it that way. I don't think he's making that up. Um, well, if they're told that, it comes from the agent. Jimmy yeah. Sexton's been around since his first client was uh, Reggie White Yeah. when he came out of Tennessee. And I remember yeah. being at the Senior Bowl, walking to Reggie White, trying to ask him a question. He had this young chubby kid with him walking along and turned out that was his agent. Nobody hmm. ever heard of Jimmy Sexton. Now he represents coaches, players all over the oh, country. Yeah. And, and uh, so Rappaport is not going to go with a story like that unless somebody he trusts told him. So sure would have been a lot cheaper to get to Miko. And I liked, I had just written in yesterday's column that they should give him a six year contract like Kyle Shanahan got from the 40. Mm-hmm. And wow, I was stunned to find out they did. Go figure. Yeah, go figure. <laughs> <laughs> um, John, what's your do you do you think uh just your opinion? Like, do you think Sean Payton can fix Russell Wilson? I don't have any idea. Yeah. They taught I remember there was an in-depth thing in the athletic 
early before he started playing with the Broncos, but mm-hmm. after the trade, about quoting people anonymously, of course, about the things Russell Wilson can't do anymore mm-hmm. on the run and rolling to his left, circling out of the pocket and turning his back as he rolls left. And and I don't know if it's true, but I do know Sean Payton said on Fox early in the year they're not using him the right way. They're not using him the way he played at Seattle. I'm guessing Nathaniel Hackett, who may have been, along with Jim Tom Sula, the 49ers, the worst first-year coaches I've seen, (laughs) that Hackett was trying to make him play like Aaron Rodgers in in Green Bay, and that's not the way he played. So Peyton now, great coaches don't force a player to play their system unless they think they have the skill set and the mentality to do it. You've got to adapt to that player. And maybe Sean Payton will adapt to Russell Wilson. And uh, Wilson, at this stage of his career, Drew Brees used to say, I don't throw over linemen. I throw between them. Yeah. And uh, and he was a pocket passer who could roll right and left and throw. And his timing and his accuracy and his, and his diagnosis were just off the charts. And you'd think Russell Wilson can do those too. So I would expect him – to be better, especially since they have good receivers. So uh, he should be very happy to get Sean Payton after suffering through the Nathaniel Hackett debacle. Uh, so, John, the other big bit of news before we get to the mailbag questions is the, the drop this morning in, in the middle of Payne and Pendergast was uh, Tom Brady is retiring again. It was funny throughout the morning on Sports Center. The headline wasn't Tom Brady is retiring. It was the caption, like at the bottom of the screen, was Tom Brady says he is retiring, <laughs> which is a big <laughs> distinction. <laughs> um, you know, because it almost sounds like Tom Brady says he's retiring, but is he really? Um, I guess that, that would be the first question, John. Do you think this one takes now for Brady, or is he going to be like one of these professional wrestlers that's fighting in loser leave towns and retirement matches every eight months? I think that. He's going to have 37.5 million reasons to not return to the NFL. That's his annual salary with Fox. I think he'll be very good with Fox. They're probably going to have him in some kind of small role. Do they televise? I haven't even checked. Do they televise this next Super Bowl? Yes, they do. Yeah, Kevin Burkhardt and Greg Olson are set to be the announcement. I would imagine they'd send Brady interview quarterback. Maybe both of them just sit down and do it. Yeah. I think we'll see him in some capacity, and I'm eager to see what exactly he does with them, but I think he'll be terrific. It's not like he's going to ride into the sunset. No, he, he's he's going to be around for sure. Um, so he – Oh, uh, I'm, excuse me. I'm sorry. The positive thing that I can think about, yeah. and this is rare, when we have our Hall of Fame meetings, they last like nine hours. <laughs> and when Brady comes up, there'll be no reason to say one word about him other than ladies and gentlemen, next up is Tom Brady. Thank you. Next candidate. Okay. Shorter, so shorter meeting. So along those lines, that's right. Which is great for you. That'll be 2028. So those meetings will take place towards the end of 2027. Like your meetings have been taking place. Uh, the first ones will at least. And then the, you guys do your voting meeting in January of that year like you just did with Andre Johnson. And we'll find out about Andre next week. Um, But now with Brady retiring, it means he's retiring the same year as JJ Watt. So 
My Are first you worried question. that Brady's not going to make it because no. Watt's going to cancel? Yeah, because I'm sure Brady's looking at the list of candidates, going, "All right, well, Watt's got one spot. Hmm. <laughs> I got to wait and see if Philip Rivers is going to fall down here. If they'll take two quarterbacks and Eli, <laughs> and um, but uh, is JJ Watt? Because you would, in all likelihood, at that point, be the one presenting JJ for the Hall of Fame. What? What is the uh, what's the amount of time you need to convince the selection committee that J.J. Uh, Watt is worthy of first ballot induction? Well, only uh, I would need time. You got five minutes. The problem is only very few since I've been on the committee. Montana, Elway, Marino, mm. Favre and Manning. The presenter has just said, ladies and gentlemen, Brett Favre, sat down and moved on. Mm. We don't need to know anything about him. Okay. Now, J.J. is not in that category. He's a defensive player. There's never been a defensive player, including Lawrence Taylor, that we did that with, or yep. Reggie White. So uh, J.J. will require a speech, but I'm confident he will be a first ballot inductee. The problem that I have with Andre Johnson, who I just – presented for the second time. It's him, Reggie Wayne, and Tori O. Yeah. And they're all deserving, and everybody on the committee thinks they are. And then they, uh, last year, canceled each other out. Yeah. And this year, they could do that again. And then what do you do? Lynn Swan and John Stallworth canceled each other as out for years. Yeah. Before Dan Rooney, the late owner, called every committee member and said, can you just consider one of them? And wow. then if he gets in, maybe the next one. So I don't, nothing was ever said like that. Yeah. But I think that's what we did. That's what I did. I thought, okay, I'm not voting for Stallworth. I'm voting for Swan. Yeah. He made it. Next year, I voted for Stallworth and he made it. That's interesting that they went in in that order because I, if I remember, Stallworth had the bigger stats, but Swan probably had bigger moments, maybe. Lynn Swan was an icon. Bigger um, highlights on bigger highlights. Yeah. 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 He, well, yeah. He won a Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP and Super Bowl 10. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, that's interesting then, because that's that was probably a little easier to kind of broker, John, because it was the own the owner. It's two guys from the same team, so the owner could call up and say, "Look, can you do this guy?" And then that guy it gets a little trickier, I would imagine, if you have multiple people. You know who's lo who who lobbies for that and organizes that when you've got three guys from all three different teams, and then we know Larry Fitzgerald is going to get added to the mix here in a couple of years, and. I haven't looked to see who the other receivers are, but Fitzgerald is the one that gets brought up the most. I know Antonio Brown's coming up down the road, but my guess is that if Terrell Owens got held out for a few years because he was a jerk, I'm guessing Antonio Brown has that same penalty coming to him down the road at some point. Um, are you um, – should I, I should say. I've never been to Canton before. I hope to go before J.J. goes in because that would mean that Andre is going in. But if my first trip to Canton includes legions and legions of drunk Patriot fans, is that going to ruin my experience, John? No, because you'll be a drunk Texans fan. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. I mean, those are some of my people. I'm from up that way, but I, I you know, I, I don't, I, I was hoping for a somewhat peaceful week of enjoying JJ Watt. And I don't know all those number 12 Brady jerseys up there. I feel it's, like it, it might. It's never peaceful, no matter yeah. who it is. And if you have somebody from New England, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Green Bay, those fans it's come over. like crazy. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure, based on what I saw with Bagwell 
in Biggio in Cooperstown that when Andre and JJ go in, the Texans fans will be well represented. No doubt. Andre, JJ, and Jose Altuve, those are the three, like, I must go to Hall of Fame induction ceremonies. Like well, a- I'm worried about Altuve because of the hangover, because of the scandal, the way he gets booed everywhere. Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully they've come to their senses. And actually, as Correa would say, know the facts. If you don't know the facts, you got to shut the up. (laughs) Correa says. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Um, All right, John, you want to do some mailbag questions here? For real. (laughs) Okay. Um, You kind of touched on this, so I'll, I'll ask it again, but just... Uh, Bruno in downtown says, where does today stack up in, quote, best days in franchise history on that list? Um, you mentioned a few of them, but mention them again, John. You know, Kubiak, drafting Deshaun, where does it where does it stack up for you? Well, the all-time great will be when they got the franchise. Now, yep. they can be, that'll always be number one. When they won that game over the Cowboys, that was, mm-hmm. that was unbelievable opener. When they hired Gary Kubiak, two Super Bowl rings. Miko doesn't have a Super Bowl ring. Kubiak from here, he came back. It was a huge event. Yeah. Now, D'Amico's right there with those four, and if all goes according to plan, he could end up being number two to uh, to getting the franchise. And D'Amico has – it's amazing to me, looking on social media, all the people weighing in uh, that don't have a dog in the hunt, but weighing in on how much – respect they have for D'Amico Ryans and what a great move it is by the Texans. And after being so negative for so long, you know, he got rid of Jack Easterby. Bill O'Brien was fired. Sean Watson was traded. And now it's like the, I can imagine how happy the McNair family is to see everybody's reaction to this decision. It's a real credibility booster for the organization. There's no, no doubt about that. All right, Chris in the ATL says, um, absolutely pumped for the D'Amico hire, excited for the introductory introductory press conference, as I believe it sets the tone for the expectations with the fan base. So my question is, what message can D'Amico deliver to show that he's not just the exciting and nostalgic choice, but the coach that will make the changes necessary to build a winning franchise? In other words, John, what do you want to hear from D'Amico along the lines of culture or team building or roster building at that press conference on Thursday. He's known two organizations. He was the second pick in the greatest draft in Texans history. He was there for the first division championship, the first playoff victory. And uh, the reason he was traded is Wade Phillips didn't think, you know, he was a four, three guy that he was a three, four fit. And uh, so I want to know, um, how important the what he does on defense, if he's going to call the plays or if he's going to hire another coordinator. And he's not going to tell us who his offensive coordinator is going to be unless they hire somebody really quick. But what does he want in an offensive coordinator? I'm assuming it's somebody he's coached with or he knows. And uh, there's a lot of intriguing possibilities. And uh, so those are the things I want to know. When he talks, he's going to talk very well about passion about Houston 
about family. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus Community. And, and the kind of players he wants. And they all basically say that. But he'll talk about, you know, his relationship that he'll build with Casario. And so um, mainly if it was just one thing, I'd want to know about the offense, considering it was so awful yeah. this past season. Yep. Well, along those lines, John, you just mentioned defensive coordinator. Will D'Amico call the defense? Alfredo in spring asked that question. He said, with the hiring of D'Amico, do you all think he's going to – call the defensive plays or he's going to hire a defensive coordinator. I, I'll say this, John, I saw reports yesterday of at least two, two coaches, two assistant coaches that, and the names escaped me. I know one was manual from the jets. The other one was somebody off of Shanahan staff that coaches the secondary last name begins with a U. I don't remember the full name, but they they've reportedly been requested to interview for the defensive coordinator position with the Texans. So it sounds like he's going to have somebody that at least in name is a DC on the staff, unlike Lovey Smith last year. Yeah. Lovey said that he would have hired a defensive coordinator. We all assumed it had been his son, Miles. And eventually they all turn over the play calling. Eventually. Mm -hmm. Kyle Shanahan still does it. Seventh year now since he took the job in San Francisco. I'm guessing the first year D'Amico's going to do it, and then he'll leave the offense up to his new coordinator. And Bobby Slowick, the son of a longtime defensive coordinator, he's 35. He was with Shanahan in Washington, and he's been with Shanahan and D'Amico every year since 2017. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows knows him in that organization. They think he's an up-and-comer. Maybe D'Amico's going to turn over the offense to him. They mentioned Troy Walters, who's not been a coordinator in the NFL, but did on co- in college. He's been he's a receivers coach for the Bengals. I just want it to be somebody that will not make Rex bleeping Burkhead touch <laughs> the ball one bleeping time. Yeah, no, he's got to go for sure. Um, not not in a Sopranos way. He's got to go. We don't need to kill him off, but he just needs to leave Houston. That's all. You know, a lot of times when they say he's got to go, that means yeah. he's dead on the Sopranos. I, I believe, Sean, that Burkett will end up being a running backs coach, and I think he'd be a damn good one. I'd with the, t- with the Texans or somewhere else? Oh, I don't know. I'm just talking about yeah. somewhere else. He just seems like coach type. Oh, yeah. No, we John, you know, we've interviewed Damian Pierce on the postgame show a few times, and he gushes about Burkett as a – the fact he calls him that he says he's basically a coach, you know, in uniform. Um, so he's got that reference, which is which holds a lot of water in Houston. People love Damian Pierce. Um, all right, John, we're getting a lot of these. I'll I'll just read the one from Matthew uh, Cavazos. It says my question is for both of you. 
Um, which side of the ball wins games, defense or offense? And if that's the case, does your answer? Do you think? Uh, do you think D'Amico's hire affects the number two pick in the draft in any sort of way? Uh, no. Yeah. Uh, other than the fact he'll agree they need a quarterback, and I'm guessing the 12th pick, who I thought would be a receiver, now I think will be a lineman, a tackler, and end, the best one on the board, because they had three number one picks in their defensive line in San Francisco, none in uh, the rest of the defense. So I feel strongly it will no longer be a receiver. And I'm sure he'd love to have Will Anderson Jr. or Jalen Carter with that pick, but then they wouldn't be in a position to get another quarterback, you wouldn't think, yep. to be among the three worst teams in the league next year. So um, I think that uh, he'll have – one of the things I loved about his defense, they were the best tackling team in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Texas may have been the worst. We won't see players taking bad angles, not wrapping up. If you watch those Niners, those guys hit. They hit hard. Didn't give up a lot of yards after the catch. So I'm fired up to see what role he's going to have on this defense. They didn't have a lot of sacks, but they still led the NFL in a bunch of defensive categories. We have a few people connecting the dots, John, that because D'Amico's from Alabama, they want to say that they want to ask you, does that increase the chances of them taking Bryce Young at quarterback? I think I know the answer to this. I think if Bryce Young's there, they're going to take him. If he's gone, they'll take C.J. Stroud. Maybe he won't, he'll ask Nick Casario trade a pick uh, to get them to swap spots with us, and maybe they'll do that. But, I, you know, he hadn't watched Bryce Young. I had talked to Warren Moon, who's watched Bryce Young since high school. Uh, he came to the Mr. October Celebrity Fundraiser in Florida I covered, and he talked a lot, I'm going to use it in a column at some point, about Young. And everybody, of course, is worried about his size. Can't wait to get to the combine, see how he weighs and measures. But uh, everything Warren was talking about, you'd want it. Mm -hmm. And so I I wouldn't be surprised there's a Alabama coach, maybe a defensive line coach I've talked about, I've heard of. D'Amico might be interested in hmm. off the Alabama staff. All right, John, two more here. We'll do these quickly. Um, Joe Q is saying that at one point you had said that Lovey could go 0-17 and he'll still get a second season because they don't want to do two one-and-dones. Obviously, that turned out to not be true. So how many games does D'Amico Ryans have to win this year in order to keep his job for 2024? I said that last year before the season because I thought there's no way they'd be worse than they were. I mean, one season under David Cully, yeah. and uh, then they were worse, mainly on offense. So uh, when you have a six-year contract, uh, um, when I say something like that, it has no credibility anymore because I was so wrong on Lovey Smith. So I think D'Amico's going to be around here for a while. I do too, but I, I'll say it, John. I do think he can go 0-17 and he gets invited back for another season. Now I'll let you say that this time. I'm going to say it right now. And Joe Q, if we're having the same conversation next year and we're celebrating them hiring who the hell knows uh, in their fourth coaching search in four years, then you can come at me. Um, last one, John. We've had a few people. Uh, Sean Masala, I'll pull his off the top of the heap here, um, asking about Brandon Cooks. If Cooks is open to staying, um, should Casario and D'Amico be open to it as well? What do you think happens with Brandon Cooks, John? I think if Brandon Cooks meets with D'Amico, he's going to be very fired up. They need receivers anyway. Another one. 
So I'm guessing D'Amico tried to talk him into staying, and I would think, you know, they don't have to trade him. He can no, they don't. That's right. He's under contract. Yep. And he always had a great attitude till he almost got traded to the Cowboys. I wouldn't have any problem whatsoever keeping Brandon Cooks on his team. I'm with you. And I was very critical of Brandon Cooks and the way he handles his business this year, and rightfully so. And I think he's, I think he's been exposed as being – at the very least, a little gullible to Jack Easterby's shtick, and at worst, a phony. Um, but I don't care. <laughs> I think I want him to catch footballs. I don't, I, you know, I, I don't need him to babysit my kids or anything like that. I just need him to uh, be able to help this offense attack downfield. So I'm, I'm all for uh, Brandon Cooks um, making amends with this team and coming back and going and getting another thousand yard season to add to his uh, the back of his football. I card. agree. I'm with you on that. All right, John, what do you got going on on your various platforms? SportsRadio610.com. I've got a column about how the D'Amico stuff came down uh, and how he wanted that job all along. And I'm doing one uh, on – I've got all kinds of videos and a column from my trip to uh, Jim Crane's golf course, the Mr. October fundraiser. has some great interviews with some of the greatest football and baseball players in history, plus – Crane, Reggie Jackson, and a bunch of Astros going back to spring training for eight days. Can't wait. And I have three, four videos coming in which on Monday, I went to the ballpark of the Palm Beaches. They made every, took off the tarps, everything I wanted. Christian Lewis, who shot it for me from uh, Gallery Sports. We, the ballpark was empty. It was eerily silent. And we did four videos, including one with me on the pitcher's mound talking about the staff, one of me on first base, talking about the changing of the guard from Yuli to uh, Jose Abreu, and one with me standing by second base, just showing an empty ballpark, talking about the start of spring training on February 15th. And I'm going to write one for Gallery Sports today about D'Amico's offense and defense and what I believe they'll do. Good stuff. Uh, John, always appreciate and enjoy chopping it up with you. And this is a great time to be a Houston Texan fan and look forward to seeing you at the uh, press conference on Thursday afternoon. I look forward to it too. All right. Good stuff. Uh, we thank Figgy Fig for getting the podcast out to you. Big thanks to everybody who sent in a question. If you sent one in and didn't get read, don't worry. There's a decent chance it's being held uh, for uh, future mailbags. If it's a question that evergreens very easily, sometimes we Save those for down the road. But keep sending them in, mailbag at gmail.com. And if you're just now finding our podcast, hopefully you enjoyed it. And if you did and you want to give us a five-star review, if you think we earned it, then go ahead and do that. Hit the subscribe button so that you get this podcast sent directly to whatever device you listen to us on automatically. And you don't have to give yourself a reminder or think, oh, yeah, Utopia. If you hit subscribe, it'll get sent to you as soon as Figgy gets it up into the system. So big thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to Figgy Fig. Thanks to my friend John McClain, the Hall of Famer. And uh, with that, we are out of time. I'm Sean Pendergast. He's John McClain. And we'll see you all next time, next week, two more episodes of the Utopia Football Podcast. Have a great weekend, everybody.